Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. November 28th, 2021. Thanks everybody for tuning into this episode of Appalachian Shine. You know, we're just a few days past Thanksgiving and it's been, you know, it's been another year past COVID, but like everyone else, we all have so much to be thankful for. And, you know, I'm very thankful uh, for the folks here with the foundation that have worked with me over the years to uh, establish this organization and especially thankful for you, uh, those of you who have supported our mission, uh, whether it's by listening to this podcast and sharing it with others, or making a donation, or um, you know, just offering to uh, be of service if there's anything that we need that we can do to together to help our communities. So we're a few days past Thanksgiving, and I hope everyone had a great time, uh, managed to get together with family and friends and enjoy the food and, and uh, remember all the blessings that we do have. No, we're not long off for Christmas, and it's just around the corner. In this particular episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about some old-time traditions. Um, Appalachian Christmas traditions uh, have changed over the years, and actually many of those traditions that started in Appalachia uh, evolved and spread out to other parts of the country. But in some ways, some of our traditions are still the same as the old ways. Uh, I can think of one particular example, uh, not my favorite tradition, I must admit, but there's way too much fruitcake <laughs> around at, at, at Christmas. Um, I think some people maybe think of it as more of a joke than a real life tradition or a real gift, but I know people who absolutely love fruitcake. But early Appalachian people thought uh, of fruitcake entirely different than the way we, we look at it today. Um most people, that's the term most people use, they were talking about what's called apple stack cake. And you hear that term uh, today too. Uh, but you know, a lot of people still think it's a treat, even if it does take literally all day to make. Um, you know, when uh, a few episodes ago, I talked to, I had a, a podcast where we talked about how Appalachians used to not celebrate Christmas on Christmas day. It was a different day. Um, and I got into a little bit of that, so I won't expound on that, but that was an old tradition. Uh, you still hear some of the older folks today in, in Appalachia talk about old Christmas. Uh, now, that uh, that's a little bit more than just leaving the decorations up for a few extra days. But when new settlers are moving into the region, old Christmas, as it was called, was just the day that they celebrated Christmas. Uh, the date was different because there was a change from one calendar to a new one back in the 1500s. And it took hundreds of years for the world to adapt to a new calendar, new dates. Well, it took us Appalachians maybe a little bit longer. Uh, 
and that's okay. <laughs> so most people had adopted the calendar by the late 1800s, but used old Christmas as a way to kind of stretch out the celebration and, and, and extend the new year. Perfectly fine with me. I, I think maybe that's one reason why people, when they put their Christmas tree up, they leave it up past New Year's Day. And I know that's the case in, uh, in, in a lot of households, actually. I don't know about you, but once I have the tree up so long, once Christmas is over, I'm, I'm ready to take it down and get more room in the living room. Uh, another, another thing here is superstitions. Um, you know, here in Appalachia, you know, we're superstitious about a lot of things. I mean, you can get bad luck by, you know, running across a black cat. My father used to put that X on the window in the car every time a black cat would cross his path. Or, um, or a cricket in the house. Don't kill it. It's good luck. You know, uh, it's, it's bad luck to leave your hat on the bed or, uh, leave from a different door than the one you came in from. You know, do animals talk at midnight on Christmas? A lot of people tell you they do. So that's a, that's another interesting superstition that I read about a while back. And I thought it was quite interesting. One that I also thought was really interesting was candles in the windows. Now, that's very common everywhere. But it's still really common in Appalachia today. But back in the day of our settlers, they had a really good reason for putting candles in the window. One, they just they really just needed to see if they were out and you know and see inside the house. Um, but often it was just a sign that you know to people that were passing by or visitors that the people that lived there were awake and would welcome guests. And you know today what I put up in the window is usually like a little battery powered um, uh, a thing of candles. But you know still people consider it as a yeah, a fun tradition, and uh, I see that all over the neighborhood at night when I drive out. Serenading is another big one, um, but it, it kind of didn't start out as just like fun. I mean, people call it Christmas caroling, but it was a little bit more mischievous of a Christmas tradition, actually, when it got started. Uh, the uh, carolers would sneak up to their friends' or neighbors' houses and start singing or yelling, and if they surprised the family or caught them off guard, it was just a common courtesy at the time that they gave them some sort of gift or treat. So uh, today you can still, you know, today people you see caroling. And um, if you drive by churches, you'll see people outside caroling with their nativity scenes. And uh, Occasionally, it's not really a big tradition, but occasionally you'll still see people serenading, caroling in some neighborhoods. My sister last year, my sister Tammy, uh, in Abingdon, Virginia, it was having an especially terrible year. We just lost our sister to COVID, and her husband was in the hospital, and she lost him as well about three weeks later. But the neighbors at Christmas came over to the house, all the neighbors in the front yard of my sister's house, and sang Christmas carols to her and my niece. And you can imagine two girls standing in the doorway crying their eyes out. That What a lucky blessing that was. But, you know, that goes to tell a lot about, you know, neighborly importance in Appalachia, which you don't necessarily get a lot of places, unfortunately. But yet, caroling is still a big, big thing. And I wish I would have been there to, to have seen that. That would have been such a really fun thing to see. Yeah, mistletoe is another one. People hang up mistletoe all over the place. But it was so popular in old days of Appalachia because it was just so easy to find everything. 
it grows on trees all around the area. People could easily pull it down or, you know, you know, climb up the tree and pull it. Or, well, if you're a little more daring, <laughs> shoot it out, right? <laughs> so um, that that was another another interesting uh, thing that I read about uh, Christmas traditions in Appalachia. Another one was bringing in the tree. So people in old Appalachia, they didn't, you know, today we go to the tree farm or we go to Walmart or Lowe's or wherever and buy an artificial tree. Well, they didn't have artificial trees. So the early settlers, it was all about convenience. So they just went to the trees they had around them, mostly pine or cedar trees. And uh, all the other stuff in, in nature, like pine cones and, and mistletoe, they just used to decorate the rest of the house. Um, now, of course, you know, there's hundreds of options. I mean, things of every color, artificial trees that automatically light up when you plug them in. Yeah, so we have a lot, a lot today, but it seems like back then, you know, it was all about convenience and what was around them. And I know people to this day that will still go out and chop their own tree and bring it in, uh, which, which they, it's a day's adventure and, you know, good family bonding event. Another thing was Christmas cards. Everyone sends out Christmas cards. It used to be more prevalent than people do now. I still send them out. Um, but even in the days uh, when, when mail was hard to send out and get, you know, People in Appalachia sent postcards to their friends and families and, and neighbors. Uh, you know, wish them a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, and Christmas cards certainly have evolved. I get Christmas cards every year from a friend of mine in Cincinnati, him and his wife and their and their son. And it's a new picture every year you know, that, that they family photo. So it's kind of fun. One of my favorite traditions around here is the Santa train. This tradition's been going on for 80 years almost. Actually, it started in uh, 1943 in Kingsport uh, over in Tennessee, East Tennessee. And, you know, every year this, the, you know, there's Santa on there, a uh, bunch of gifts in there, and they wind its way. They, they go through southwest Virginia, East Tennessee, eastern Kentucky, and they have various stops. And I think one of them is down in Norton and St. Paul, which is closer to me. And uh, ARC TV every year will go out and film this and put this on local access television. So, um, you know, if you have ARC TV in the central Appalachian region, watch this every year. It's so much fun. And really, the, it's, the thing that makes it so much fun is the whole thing is just supported and powered by a group of you know, individuals and charities. And, and, uh, and they just hand out gifts and candies and toys and jackets and hats, scarves, whatever, to, to kids everywhere. And uh, that is such such an awesome thing to see. Uh, you know, gift, gift giving is another uh, one of those Appalachian traditions. Again, everywhere, but most people who celebrated Christmas uh, around the world, they exchanged some kind of gifts. But, you know, in old Appalachia, the gifts that kids asked for were like any, unlike anything we think of today. Most things were handmade, handcrafted. Um, I had the, I had the opportunity a couple of, well, it was before the pandemic, uh, here in Richlands, there was, uh, we had our, our town festival, you know, in the summer, uh, in June and uh, I think it's called Freedom Days and, uh, Fred Powers, who was the coal miner storyteller. Uh, he was an author also, unfortunately he passed, but he was, he was a really, really good man. He would go around dressed in full um, you know, dress of a coal miner from the 20s and 30s. 
and had all the equipment. He would tell coal stories because he used to be a miner himself. And he came from a long line of coal miners. And he would tell the stories of things that happened in the coal mines and go into classrooms and do this. Now, his wife, uh, she was a crafts, a crafts maker, and she made old toys that were used um, that were very common and most requested by kids in Appalachia in the uh, settling days. And it was so much fun to watch her show how they would play with the toys. Sometimes some of these you would look at and you wouldn't understand exactly what it was, but then she would show you how they used them. And it was so fascinating. And I can't remember her first name, but his name was Fred Powers. And uh, you know, if you ever spot his wife anywhere at one of these festivals, stop by and check out these toys. You could buy them. Um, but she does a great representation of what life was like for kids, you know, what they, and just showing how they enjoyed themselves and how they played in, uh, in those days. Uh, fascinating stuff. The Christmas story, actually, is another one. I don't remember recall doing this when I was a kid, but I was, I was the youngest of three. So I'd have to ask my older sister. But Christmas Eve, reading the Christmas story from the Bible um, with families, you know, getting families together, whether it's around the, you know, the kitchen table or, you know, a dining room or around a fireplace or wherever, from the old, the old days of the settlers to even, you know, in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I don't know when this tradition maybe runs course. I hope it's still prevalent, but um, you know, in Appalachia, it was common for the the father of the family to to read the verses, and um, you know that tradition, I guess, evolved over time. That as as I was reading about this, that um, eventually it allowed children to read from the family Bibles. They were that was one of the things, one of the books that was used to help uh, teach children how to read. So very, very fascinating stuff and very fascinating life in Appalachia. Uh, another another one of those traditions, which, again, is everywhere, but I know this is a little bit different in Appalachia as I've lived outside of the region for a number of years before I came back, is helping those in need. And this is a very, very enduring tradition in Appalachia, especially around Christmas time and Thanksgiving. And uh, in the older times, um, you know, again, as I was reading about life in in Appalachia, uh, people would often you know, bake cakes or cook for neighbors that were in need uh, if they were poor or old, or invite people into their homes if they had nowhere to go. Uh, I noticed that this year at Thanksgiving, there were several invites to people to get together with my family that had um, tough years. Maybe somebody is a, became a widow this year or you know, things, things like that, people that had tough years, really didn't have anywhere else to go, or not a lot of family, always got an invite to, to come and spend Thanksgiving afternoon with us. And that was part of just who we were growing up, and not just this year, but, um, you know, making sure that people that didn't, that were in need that you knew or didn't have anywhere to go, that got an invitation, whether they came or not, is a different story. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of prideful people out there that don't want to feel like they're imposing well, we never looked at it as imposing. We never really wanted anybody to spend Thanksgiving alone. And that was our motivation when they could be a part of our fun. And, you know, the more the merrier. So that was just always the mindset we had. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but in, you know, in the older times, people would, would bake and, you know, they would leave uh, um, groceries or things like that on the front step. 
for people who were in need. Now, you still see that today. and You, it, you see that in cities as well. Um, but I will say that living in Cincinnati, as I've lived for a few years, and actually did a little bit of volunteer work with uh, uh, one organization that, that packed food for the needy, yeah, there are a lot of needy people in a lot of places, and it's not just Appalachia. But I noticed that per capita, you know, based on population size, we help you know, per capita more people with food and food pantries and always every year toy drives and drives for like uh, winter coats for people who can't afford them, especially children that are in school. Um, things, even things like just, you know, at the beginning of the school year, packing a backpack of school supplies. These things are a lot more common, I think, here per capita in every little town. And it is amazing to see these things. I hate to see that so many people are in need, but I love seeing the fact that there's so many people in Appalachia that, regardless of their needs, are so willing to help out others who don't have it as good as they do. And that is a blessing as just being from this place. It's amazing. So that, those are some of the holiday traditions that I read about. Um, what are some of the holiday traditions that you and your family uh, enjoy from year to year? I'd love to hear some of these. Uh, there's some, probably several other old Appalachian traditions that I'm, I'm missing, but um, feel free and uh, share those with me. You can email that to me at jc at supportappalachia.org. Uh, or you can contact us on our Facebook page uh, or through our contact form on supportappalachia.org. Uh, that would uh, be three of the easiest ways to get in touch with us. Thanks again for listening to this show. And again, uh, I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. We'll be back with more episodes. The year's not over. We've got plenty more to talk about. We'll be back with other guests before the end of the year. And um, if you don't tune in to any more of our episodes between now and then, I want to wish you and your family uh, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Appalachian Shine. We'll be back soon, and we'll see you down the road.